Yo, what's going on, people? We're back. Another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. Mo Moonsey alongside BJ Armstrong. We don't need any further introductions. You should know by now. And if you don't know, get to know, because we're going to be coming through the airwaves all of 2022 and beyond. BJ, how you doing today, sir? Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful here in the States. Beautiful to be with my guy, Mo Money. Hey. Now let's go get it, Mo. Let's get it's it. Let's not mess around today. Let's go get it's, it. It's been a crazy, crazy week. You know, last night I seen Devontae Graham hit a full court game winner. That was wild. After Shea Gilders Alexander hit a wild shot to take the leap over. That was crazy. And it just goes to show when people say to me, Yo, who, who the hell wants to watch OKC and, and New Orleans on a, on a Wednesday night? Well, that's why. That's why we watch this. We break it down the best of the week, but there's only one place for us to begin. There's only one talking point this week. And you know who it is. The one mm. only, the chef, Mr. Stefan Wardell. Should I call him by his proper name? Wardell Stephen Curry II. BJ? Sir. Now, I know you don't class Steph Curry as a point guard, but you being the point guard guru, talk to me about what makes Steph Curry so unique in regards to him breaking it, because it's not just the fact he's broken this record. It's the fact that he's done it in less than half of the games it took the other guys. Mm. Mm. Well, you know what, Mo? That's, that's a great observation. And when I look at the amount of games that he's played to break this record, it really stands out. I mean, it really stands out. And you're talking about some great shooters. You're talking about Ray Allen. You're talking about Reggie Miller. And Steph Curry is doing this at a rate that you go, wow. And where could it, where is it going to go? Provided he stays healthy and continues at this pace for the next, let's say, three to five years. Yeah. And it really is an incredible achievement by Steph Curry. But more importantly, the accuracy in which he's doing it. Because these are tough shots. When I say tough shots, tough shots for you and I. Mm -hmm. obviously it's not tough for him okay <laughs> this guy is shooting i mean he's he's seeing something different than the rest of us but it's incredible it's incredible to watch it's been amazing to observe over the last what seven eight years and i just go back to the first time he really kind of like i i really began to watch him is when mark jackson said that he's coaching the two best shooters of all time. And mm, I know that, Mark. That was wild at the time. The reaction to that, people thought, Mark, you're moving crazy. It, you know, it was, it was, it stood out because I remember calling Mark and I said, Mark, what are you saying? And he was like, BJ, I've never seen this before. And I said, okay, coach, I'm going to watch. And it's true. It was true then and it's true now. So I want to give a big shout out to Mark Jackson because Mark went on the record. Yes. Coach Jackson, Coach Mark Jackson went on the record and said, I'm coaching the two best shooters of all time. And as we're talking here, giving Steph Curry his flowers and giving him all of the accolades and all of the respect that he, he deserves, the other guy who's been out for the last two years He's 1A. I mean, we watched this guy score 60 points with 11 drills in 11 drills. Was it 37 in, a in game. 37 in the core? Okay. So 
I want to give a shout out to the beginning of this wave, the beginning of this energy that we're currently seeing. And it was terrific. I, I just remember that moment because I was thinking to myself, you know, Mark, you've played in this league, coach. Now you, you're coaching in this league. And for him to say that, and he said it with such conviction that I had to call him. I felt I had to call him hey. and say, okay, are you sure what's going on? But in, in his own words, mama, there goes that man. That, there, and, and there he is. And I, I'm going to tell you a story now, BJ. On the complete other end of the spectrum, you see how BJ pulls up to the podcast talking about NBA coaches, telling him, I'm going to tell you the story about Steph Curry. Because Steph Curry has had a huge impact, not for me, because I was a huge NBA fan before, but Steph Curry converted most of my friends to becoming fans of the NBA. Really? Before, yeah. So, so before Steph Curry came along, you know, some of my friends, they'd go out. So, so say it's like midnight, right? And we're all, we're all in the living room of the house and we're all just chilling. These guys are drinking, whatever. They're about to go out and get ready to go to the club. And they're saying to me, yo, are you coming? I'm saying, no, no, no. I've got to stay in. I've got to stay in. And they're like, all right, cool. Do you, do you. I'm, I'm staying in watching the games. Then one day, I was like, no, no, listen, you guys. This game is going to be sick. You need to stay here and watch this. Trust me. So half of them went, half of them stayed. And it was the game where Golden State played against OKC. And you remember when Steph hit that game winner just in front right. of the halfway line, right? And everyone lost. They were like, this is the most exciting thing we've ever watched. Because these guys are all massive football fans, right? These guys were so like, like we rewatched that moment over and over again. Everyone was losing their minds. Like, how the hell has this guy done this, right? So then everyone started wanting to watch. Whenever the Warriors were playing, everyone wanted to watch the Warriors. So the next really? week, was it the next week? No. So when it was the playoffs... Some of these guys gone out and then they come back because it's a West Coast tip now. It's not tipping at midnight, it's tipping at three. So come back after a night out, been, been in the club, come back to the house, a few people there, you know the vibes. Anyway, I've come <laughs> into the living room. I've come into the living room and I said, yo, there's some girls playing music on the TV. I said, yo, give me the remote, part in the Warriors game. And then so I shout, oh, you man, the game is on now. So everyone's come running into the living room to watch the game. Anyway, about... Halfway through the third quarter, it goes to a timeout. And for a second, there's like a pause in the audio. And I'm like, yo, can you not hear something? And everyone's like, no, no, no. What's I was like, no, I can hear like the tap is running or something in the other room. I've got up, gone to the kitchen, and the whole kitchen is flooded. Because this guy mm. was in such a rush to come to the other room that he left the, he left the kitchen sink on. And the whole room has flooded. Next thing you know... The guy who lives down below us was coming up the stairs, banging down the door, screaming that his family's getting rained on from the ceiling, all because of Steph Curry. So when we say the impact, he ruined the kitchen of that property. Had to pay to get the floor replaced. <laughs> but that yeah, was, I was going to ask, what was the, what was mm, the cost of that repair? Oh, oh, it was a priceless moment though. It was priceless because now my friends are massive NBA fans. So Steph Curry out here, especially for the. For the younger generation, obviously, I had a tweet the other day because I think, you know, we can talk about how amazing Steph is, but I think everyone's already done that. You've done it on your podcast. People can check that. We did it on Heat Check. I broke down the numbers of what it would take for anyone else. Right. If you want to know about that, go and check that. But I, I, I tweeted something that, that a lot of people had a reaction to. And I said, Steph Curry is one of the greatest players of this generation, arguably a top two great player of this generation, right? He's up there with LeBron on the impact that he's had on this game. He's a phenomenal athlete. 
He's got an amazing, you know, he's humble. He's a family man. He's amazing. Humble off the court, on the court, whatever it is. But I still have zero, absolutely rock bottom, zero desire to buy a pair of his sneakers. I, I don't know. Because they're Under Armour. Because, come on, man. You know, I'm a saucy brother. I can't be stepping through and Gela looking at me like, oh, what, what, those new Jordans? No, 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 babes, they're Under Armour. Come on, man. That ain't running. But, but. So marketing, so marketing works. So, so this is what I was saying. The, that branding is more important than, as, as great as he is, the branding around him, in my opinion, has been terrible. Having said that, every kid below the age of 15 is wearing and playing in those Steph Curry shoes. They're all got the Warriors jerseys. So the next generation, he is trying to be, obviously no one can be like Michael Jordan, but you see what it is for the, for the younger generation now, is all these kids are wearing, you go to a camp and you do a camp, you're coaching, right? All these kids are wearing Under Armour and Steph Curry, Steph Curry jersey. And I just find it fascinating though, that if he was with Nike or if he was with Jordan, maybe even, you know, Puma or Adidas or whatever, I think he would get a lot more sneak sales with kind of my generation of people aged like 21 to 30, do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, I was just looking at it like, like when I see amazing things happen, Giannis winning finals MVP, I went and got those shoes that he was wearing. I seen Zion going number one in the draft, I went and got those shoes that he had. But Steph Curry, I'm just not feeling it. Well, Mo, real quick, because you and I, this is a whole conversation and we need to have this conversation because I, you know, I lived this whole Jordan phenomenon mm. from the beginning. So without question, marketing works. Yeah. If they continue to tell you something over and over again, you'll begin to believe it. And then the perfect storm comes around where Jordan actually is as good or he's better than advertised. Yeah. So your generation is without question influenced by Nike because I'm old enough to remember when Nike was Under Armour. What? <laughs> Nike was a running company. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Blue Ribbon Nike Sports. used to be, yeah, Nike, it was, uh, Nike was Under Armour as Under Armour is to Nike now. Yeah. Because the, 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 all of the, the ballers, if you will, all of the superstars in the NBA, Dr. J, Magic Johnson, Larry Converse. Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Converse was mm. without question. And, and now Nike owns Converse. This is, so it takes time. So your generation has been influenced by Jordan. This generation has been influenced by the next. The thing that I find fascinating about your generation and the one that's coming behind that is streetwear and fashion. Yep. So you can see the collaborations of Yeezy and Adidas and the impact they're having mm -hmm. because it's not enough just to have a shoe that works. Because Jordans truly, the, the thing that's, that's funny about Jordans is Jordans at that point, when they were sold, they were a performance shoe. Mm -hmm. that, now it's a lifestyle yo, shoe. That's crazy to me that, that guys are out here playing at Jordan 1s. I could never yeah, play ball at Jordan. It, never. This is, exactly. So to see how a performance shoe suddenly goes to a lifestyle shoe, it's just like one of the most fascinating things to me because now 
all of you guys wear your sneakers with everything. Your 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 outfit is based around your sneakers. Yeah, you see me on the red carpet Where, in a tuxedo with with Jordan Elevens. Yeah, yeah, and in our generation, no one wore sneakers. Like mm. you couldn't wait to wear shoes, like with with a hard sole on it. I mean, that was nah. that was that was then, and this but, is but, now. But, so but this is what I mean. It's crazy. Okay, this is why Jordans will always win because Jordans, Jordan ones, threes, even virtual release, the twos, the fours, fives, elevens, twelves, whatever. They've all become off-court sneakers now. You don't, unless you're PJ Tucker, you don't hoop in them. You hoop in the Jordan 35s and Jordan 36s and the Zions and you know whatever ones they're bringing out soon that I know about, but I'm not allowed to talk about on air. But stay tuned. But <laughs> but but now, what I mean to say is like the Steph Curry's. You might wear them to play in, but no one wears them to wear them off the court. So my thing is, they could go all in on marketing his whole ankle thing with with the whole how his ankle surgery and and you know wearing these shoes saved his career. Da, 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 da. But they haven't. They've just let it play out like it's just any other sneaker. Like I I just feel like it's a wasted opportunity because I don't think Steph is cool enough to want to wear off the court. But I feel like on the court, there's a niche in that market where they could have really exploited it that I didn't see. You know, from my perspective, being filled. Yeah. Well, I mean, look. In order to sell sneakers, you have to you have to have a, a, a massive personality. You know, you, you got to find something that's interesting. Steph Curry has a great story, but it's not a Michael Jordan story. Mm-hmm. It's not a Kanye West story. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's a in order to be that le- at that level of to me, superstardom, you have to get in, in, in our generation. We always said, how far can you get off the sports page? Yeah. In this generation, how far can you go from sports to entertainment? Mm-hmm. Jordan now is synonymous now with entertainment. Yeah. That's the fashion. NBA, the NBA, we talk about more what's going on off the court now than we do on the court, Mo. Yeah, 100%. That's what the fan, like the everyday casual person wants to hit. And and Steph Curry, I mean, we're talking about Steph Curry, what he does on the court. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about Steph Curry was at the club. (laughs) You're not talking about Steph Curry. (laughs) But but what I will say though, VJ, what I will say is, did you see the pictures the day after the game he broke the record? Steph and Dell leaving the club at 5 (laughs) a.m. Man, it looked rough. It looked rough. I've been there. It looked it looked rough. But but we, we'll talk about some more on court stuff because we've had some questions come in. We've got my boy had JC14, who he's put out a hot take. He says Pat Connaughton is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. So I want to get your perspective on who do you think is the most underrated player in the NBA? Because there's so many different ways to answer this question. Some people right now are saying Jokic is the most underrated player in the NBA because he's playing better than last season, but no one's talking about him in the MVP running. And on the flip side of that, an underrated player could be a young player who's not getting the respect they deserve just because they're young. Or it could just be a player that you think is very talented and isn't getting recognition from anyone. So when we talk about underrated players, you know, I've spoken a lot about someone like Jonas Valanciunas who just does, you know, does his job and does his job well. But who, who do you... Think that's not who I think is the most underrated, but who who is your most underrated player in the NBA? 
Well, well, you know, I can't take off my executive hat because I'm always looking for great players. There was an executive who told me, and this executive actually was Jerry West. He said, there, there are always good players and great players on bad teams. Mm-hmm. And it's your job to find them. And I never forgot that. And I've continued to watch the game to say, is this guy a good player on a bad team? Or is he a good player on a good team? Because just, just like when you come to this league, you learn how to win. You also learn how to lose. And once a player steps into that category of saying, this is the NBA and I've learned how to play on a bad team, you also look for the players who have habits that translate to winning basketball. Now, up until this, up until last year, the most underrated player, in my humble opinion, was always Drew Holiday. Yeah, most definitely. Drew Holiday was always a player I could never figure out why teams weren't trying to get, get him because of his defensive ability, how he played the game, and I always thought it translated. And now he's Drew Holiday, and he... He had NBA a chance to champion. really shine. He's the NBA champion. Now, I think there's another player that, to me, solidifies the same energy. And his name is Malcolm Brogdon. Mm, the president. He, to me, he does it as a guard. I don't know if he's a starting guard. I don't know if he's a backup guard. I don't know. But I do know he has a... He brings a high level of basketball, you know, energy and what he brings off the court and on the court, which I think will translate to a great team, a championship caliber team. So I think he is a player. If I was an executive, I would be trying to figure out because you need excellent guard play and Malcolm Brogdon can play as a starter. He can play as a backup. He can play as a one, a two. He can start your offense. He can shoot a little better than you think. He defends a little better. He's got good sides. But more importantly, he plays a winning style of basketball. And I think the way he plays, he can play with other great players. So Malcolm Brogdon, to me, is the player that I would be trying to figure out how to get because of what he brings. And, they, you know, he has a name, what they call him, the president, right? Is that, yeah, his, is that his nickname? That's his nickname. And I don't know him as well as some others, but the few times I've met him, you know, he just seems like a great kid. But I really love his style. I love how he plays. And I love his professionalism. Like, he came into the NBA as a professional. He probably was born as a professional. <laughs> and I think he just plays the game at a very high level. I think, you know, when I look at underrated players, I, I – I mean, in the context of doesn't get the the recognition or, or kind of talked about in the way that I think they deserve to. I think one guy for me that stands out that every time I watch him, he's just doing a great job of what he's doing is Rashawn Holmes, who plays for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. I think he's another yeah. player. If I was a contending team, I'd be trying desperately to go and get him out of, out of Sacramento because I know he signed a deal there in the offseason. But, you know, he's a player that I would love to have on my team any day of the week. So I like Rashawn Holmes. I think he's very underrated. And, you know, if we just go back to um, talking about the Malcolm Brogdon, it's interesting because, you know, it's, you spoke about Drew Holiday and then Malcolm Brogdon, obviously both linked to Milwaukee. Um, they let Malcolm Brogdon go just so they could get your boy, Eric Bledsoe, who then turned into Drew Holiday. <laughs> because, because before Drew Holiday came along, I used to always criticize the Bucks for choosing Bledsoe over Brogdon. Because for me, I would take Brogdon over Bledsoe seven days in a week. But 
One player I think is also underrated, though, is Dante DiVincenzo for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's a very solid defender. He, can also, he doesn't get the attention because he was, of course, injured for their run through the finals of the championship. But I think if they get healthy, he can be a big factor in, you know, some of those minutes where Drew and Chris are resting, he can really make an impact on the game. So, you know, I think there's a lot of players that don't get the uh, recognition and can be classed as underrated because I think the media, someone sent me a clip yesterday of Nick Wright, um, you know, the, the, the guy who loves LeBron, talking the about... commentator. Yeah, or the LeBron fan who they give a microphone to, Nick Wright. Um, you know, talking about, oh, we have to talk about these things because it makes good TV. But I do think there's an appetite out there for, you know, real basketball fans who actually want to talk about the game and talk about the realness and not do LeBron versus Jordan every day and not, you know, obsess over Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving constantly. Um, so that's why most players in the NBA, I think, are underrated because the one thing that makes me say every player in the NBA is underrated is when I get random people ask me, Mo, how many points do you think you could score in an NBA game? The answer is and zero. Your answer, and what's your reply? Is, the answer is, if you put me in an NBA game in my current form, I'm having a heart attack at the end of the first quarter. Like, I, I don't think people understand. The, like, I haven't trained in like six or seven years now, okay? I'm not in shape to play in the NBA. I don't think they understand. Like, I would get down on a fast break. They'd be back on defense. They'd have two or four possessions by the time I run one sprint. Like, I don't think people understand how great these guys are. So I think so, well, if I gave you four weeks, if I gave you four weeks yeah. of training camp, okay, you, you couldn't score two points. If I gave you four weeks. Oh, oh, if you give me some time to get in shape. But I'm saying if you drop yeah. me right now into If you said to me tonight, the Bulls have got everyone in COVID protocol, come and suit up. I will give you a solid five minutes. And if I can catch and shoot an open three, that's cool. Otherwise, I'm fouling out. Because <laughs> I hate keeping up with Noah. I'm just, I'm honest. I'm honest. You know, I hate when I meet people. They're like, oh, I could score 16 points. You know, come on, man. That's only four points every quarter. I'll get four free. No, you couldn't. I, I promise you. Anyone listening? No, you couldn't. Like these guys are superhuman athletes. So for me, every single player in the NBA is underrated, especially when they call NBA guys scrubs. You know, when it, like what I love is Brian Scalabrini. You ever see that video where he met up with some people? that called him a scrub, yes. and he just destroyed them. The worst player on an NBA team is better than any regular person you can find, ever. And that's why I find it funny, like, you know, people like to talk about, oh, this guy shouldn't be in the league. He's in the league for a reason. I, I've, I've been in the gym with NBA players who you probably never heard of because they're bottom of the bench. Maybe they didn't even make it past the first contract. And they're just shooting right. from half court with ease and scoring every single shot. Like, these guys are all great players. So I think everyone in the NBA is underrated, which is kind of a cop-out answer, but it is what it is. We're going to have <laughs> we're gonna have another question come in from a fan. Seeing as earlier we were talking about Steph and, you know, his sneakers being on the court slash off the court. I had a question come in from James Stone, and he says that he's a Miami Heat fan, but because mm. in the UK there isn't a lot of merch, he has bought a Brooklyn Nets hat it sort of feels wrong but at the same time it doesn't is it wrong now let me give you some context because you might not be aware in the uk the culture of football is that if you are a, 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 an arsenal fan for example and you wear a manchester united shirt that is a, a cardinal sin whereas for the nba though you see me i wear every team as long as it looks drippy 
I'll wear it. I don't mind. It so look, it looks what? Right, that's a new word. For drippy. <laughs> drip or drown. Dripping in sauce. So I just wanted to shout out to uh, to my boy James and say, rock whatever you look flying. Don't worry about the team as long as it's not the Lakers. But anyway, let's move mm. on to the final question of the show. <laughs> Seeing as Christmas is round the corner, BJ. Seeing as Christmas is round the corner, we're in the festive spirit. If you could put on your Christmas list one trade in the NBA that you want to mm. see happen, who would be traded to what team and why? If there was one, just if one it, trade. If you could just pick one. I would love to see this trade happen for my, because you asked a question, but because I think it's a win-win for both teams. Okay. I would love to see Ben Simmons traded to the Brooklyn Nets for James Harden. For James Harden? Oh, for not for Kyrie Irving? Not for Kyrie Irving. Now, I, I would love to see, I would love to see that trade happen. I love the idea of Embiid and Harden together, that elite guard play and that elite interior presence. But talk to me about the Brooklyn side of things. How how do you see that working out? Well, you know, it's one thing about Kyrie Irving, just like with Steph Curry. Kyrie Irving can play the point guard position, just like Steph Curry can play the point guard position. But... They also have this incredible ability to score. So to just make them lead guards who initiate the offense without taking advantage of their ability to score, to me, is counterproductive to your team because they are so elite on the offensive end, both in their own way. Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, one shoots from three, the other gets to the basket, shoots from the three, and, and, and so forth and so on. Ben Simmons suddenly now becomes an initiator and does what he and will play how he plays naturally. He's a natural pass first player. He's a facilitator. He gets a lot of flack. Ben Simmons. He's not just, I'm going to give him some flack just before you do that. He's not just pass first. He's pass second, pass third, pass fourth. Because he damn sure don't want to shoot the ball. Okay. And that's okay. Now, Ben Simmons has received a lot of criticism because of that. Yes. But we are who we are now. And I will say this. When you have players like Steph Curry and you have players like um, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, there's, you have to have a player on your roster that can facilitate. Can I just and uh... play with go ahead. Can I just say one thing that people don't understand? Because I see a lot of people want, like, trade Ben Simmons for anyone. Da, 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 da. Somebody's better. No. no. I want you to cast your minds back to the greatest championship team we've seen in the past 20 years. The 08 Boston Celtics. You weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. No. But, but jokes aside, they had a point guard who at the time could not shoot the basketball either. He was exactly what you're describing, facilitating. He was a pass-first guy who wouldn't shoot a three. Teams would leave him wide open from three, 
and he would just look to make shots. So it is possible to win with a point guard that doesn't shoot the three ball. Maybe the game has changed considerably since then. And obviously Rondo has changed his game and he's learned to shoot threes. But I have seen it being possible that you can win with a player. So I do hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's totally necessary. Okay, so you said Rondo. You look at the Warriors. That's Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. The game has changed so much now where it's not just a traditional point guard. It's positionless. It's, posi- it's a positionless basketball, and you have to have someone whose natural instinct is to facilitate and pass the ball. Okay? And when you look at these championship caliber teams, you have to have guys like that who play winning basketball and a winning brand. Now, for all he doesn't do, Ben Simmons, on the offensive end, because now we're in the era of three-point shooting. So the the funny thing is we're going to compare him to Steph Curry. This guy is an elite defensive player. I don't care if you like him or not. He, he's not good. He is an elite defensive player. Mm-hmm. And he can guard literally one through five. He has the size, the athleticism to do that. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal passer at his size. Mm-hmm. He pushes the ball and plays with thrust. You say pace and space. Well, Ben Simmons can do that as well as any guard in the NBA. I don't care what position you're at. He can do that as well as any. He can rebound. He can block shots. He could be a terrific help defender. And more importantly, he has a natural instinct to facilitate. Now, imagine this guy facilitating to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Game playing over. downhill. Now, now, you say what you want to about Ben Simmons, and it may be true. But when it when you surround him in the way he plays with elite talent, Ben Simmons is a problem because there's one thing I know Ben Simmons can do. He can play downhill. Now, I also know, as a guard myself, that it's very difficult if you can't shoot to play with the center. Why? Because you can't drive to the basket because the center is there yep. posting up. If I open the court and allow Ben Simmons to just say, attack the basket, draw and kick, I know he can do that with the best of them, and mm-hmm. I know he can finish at that basket. Mm-hmm. So so I will say this, and, and, and on the flip side, I think this is a good fit for James Harden. Oh, yeah. James Harden Amazing. is a 30-point. Amazing. He's fit. a 30-point scorer. So I think this would be a good fit for everybody, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with Ben Simmons not shooting. In my book, I'm yeah. okay. Because it's well, one. That's what I've always said. It's just put four shooters around him. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you put four shooters. Just put in an elite. Just put elite players around him. Because what he brings, he just does a little bit of everything. You know, he'll ha- he'll figure out in the course of 30 to 35, 40 minutes, he'll figure out how to get 10, 12, 14 points. He'll figure out how to get 10, 12 rebounds. He'll figure out how to get eight to 12 assists. He'll get four or five steals. He'll get two or three blocks. That's good enough. Yeah. Well, how many players can actually do that? <laughs> You're talking about how many players can actually do that on a nightly basis? Well, he's, he's an all-star. He's an all-star. People forget that so quickly as well. He's yeah, so a if, top 20 player when he's playing in the NBA, so top you, 20, 25. If you put him and matched him up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Hey, man, if you put me with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it'd be good. Let alone an NBA well, all-star, I, I Ben just, Simmons. 
I thought you said you couldn't play in an NBA game. Now hey, you hey, did. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. There's a difference between playing in a random NBA game and playing on Kevin Durant's team. There's there's levels on this. You drop me in the Sacramento right. Kings, I'll be struggling. Drop me on the Warriors or the Lakers, or, or not the Lakers, they're trash, uh, on, on the Brooklyn Nets right now. We'll find a way. But uh, <laughs> one trade I want to see. Let me tell you the one trade I want to see. And this yes. has zero basketball logic behind it. This just is for pure chaos factors. And I think ESPN will just break from the sheer chaos if this happened. Kyrie Irving, of course, it has to be Kyrie Irving, because that's who they love to talk about, for Russell Westbrook. Think about the storylines. Kyrie and LeBron teaming up again. The Oklahoma City Big Three who couldn't beat LeBron's Miami Heat teaming up again in Brooklyn. If those two met for the finals, narrative-wise, it would be the greatest storyline of all time. It would be, I think Stephen A. Smith would, I don't even know what, what he would do. I think all of these guys and all these networks, they would lose their minds. It would be maximum chaos. And I'm always here for the chaos. That's what I want to see. Well, it sounds interesting. It would have never happened. And that's, <laughs> that's my problem now with the NBA is that, it's the storylines and the narratives are more important than the game. Oh, yeah, but this, I don't this, this, this question was not which trade makes the most basketball sense or which trade do you think it would see? This was if for Christmas you could have one gift, what trade would it be? That's why this is the well, answer. Okay. Ima imagine sitting right, down for your right. Christmas day and then your phone goes off and Adrian Wojnarowski is telling you. Well, I'm going to say this. That team didn't <laughs> win then when they were younger, and I don't think that team wins now. So oh. I don't think there's a way that Brooklyn would would win with that group, especially what, what now, about the Lakers? Though? Well, what about the Lakers though? If they swap West, I don't think Kyrie. I don't think that team wins. I think they win more than they're winning right now, though. I I don't think that team. I don't think that team wins. You know, the, the Lakers are interesting, and I don't want to take a deep dive into the Lakers because we always talk about the Lakers. Yeah, we, and right now, we shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> we should be the doing the outro right be, now. We're we warming it over already. <laughs> okay, but I, I want to say this about the Lakers because you brought it up. Yes, the Lakers are a team right now trying to find an identity because LeBron gets a pass for me now, and in, in year yeah. nineteen, he's, he's turning he thirty-seven next week. So. I'm going to give him a pass. If he plays well and he's that LeBron some nights, great. At 37, I'm expecting some nights now where he looks like a 37, 36-year-old player, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, I don't know who that go-to guy is to stabilize this team on a nightly basis. We all thought it was going to be Anthony Davis. It hasn't been. Russell Westbrook is in a new new situation. He's in a new team. He's getting familiar with, you know, his group and how they play. And I don't think Russell is going to be that player on a nightly basis to stabilize the team, the way you can play through him. So in saying that, I just don't think this team is built with the idea that Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook is going to be that elite player. I think they're really good players. Do yeah. I think they're going to be that elite player? Because right now it looks as if the only way they can reach that level that we're talking about is if LeBron James does it. Yeah. And that's to me at his age, that's unfair 
mm-hmm. for him to do it in the regular season mm-hmm. and be able to go into the postseason and do it at this age. I don't see that happening. And it's and it's and it's a lot of factors. Yeah. But the main factor is age has caught up with this team. And they they need someone who could help them get through the regular season. I mean, they got a 27-year-old guy that they compared to Tim Duncan, and they said was better than Giannis, and they said was due to be the MVP. But ladies and gentlemen, that is why I hope you've got your goggles on correctly because Anthony Davis is still on fraud watch. Another night, he just about escaped with a rookie on a two-way hit in a game winner for the Lakers last night. Saved his skin. Because that first half performance for Anthony Davis, I turned it off at halftime. I was disgusted by what he was doing. Was it two points, four points in a whole half? Let Chris Stapps pause well, dominate you. But what did he I, end up with, though, Mo? Mo, I, but what did I, he uh, end up well, with? Well, he ended up with 20, 18, 20. Okay. And how many rebounds? Okay. You're how playing many rebounds, against, Mo? You, you, you're playing against Mo, Stapps, Mo, right? in the NBA game. Mo, you just told me five minutes ago the all these guys are good in the NBA. Yes. That's why you can... They're good in the context of the world, but when you're talking about the context of the NBA, that's a different basis for comparison. I'm looking at that game yesterday, and I'm comparing him to Chris Porzingis, who had 23 and 12. Anthony Davis had 20 and 12. Cool. Okay. okay. But you're playing okay. the full team against Dallas Mavericks, who had no Luka Doncic. That should have been a walk in the park. Not an overtime relying on some guy who Wait no a one minute. had ever Wait heard a minute. before. M- M- uh, Mo, Mo, mm. the, the Lakers had guys out because of COVID. Come on, Mo, give the whole story. Just don't give the one side. Who was out? On, give the whole who, story. Who was out? Okay, they had, uh, what's, the, what's the, the THT, what is it? THT. Taylor. The yeah. superstar, the THT. Lakers superstar. Okay. That they was he's, a, he's a starter. Okay. He's a starter for them. He's a starter for them. Okay. The White Howard was out. Okay. Okay. And, and there was someone else was out. Someone else was out. Was out, was out due to COVID. I can't remember here. Malik Monk. You coaches that were. But, but you know. what, none of those guys. Losing Luka Doncic is the same as the Lakers losing LeBron. Is, is, do you know what I mean? The Dallas Mavericks had guys uh, out too. Willie Cordy Stan was out. You know what I'm saying? Boban didn't log any minutes. But Luke wasn't there. Anyway, the moral of the story Anthony Davis remains on fraud watch. I don't care if you had 20 points against a defeated Dallas Mavericks and was bailed out in overtime by a rookie hitting a three. Also, credit to Russell Westbrook for making that assist. Everyone loves to hate on Russell Westbrook when they lose. I didn't see anyone giving him any love for making that assist for the game-winning shot. But we'll see you guys tomorrow if BJ's available. Oh, because I heard he's just to stay ready. So we'll be back tomorrow with another installment. And I'll carry you over the weekend and we'll be back on Monday after that. So there's still more coming this week. In the meantime, my people, you know the vibes. Get buckets.